All right, we are now recording. We are now recording. Uh, happy technical end of Pride, but really the start of Pride, because as I've alerted Tori, it is the anniversary of the start of the Stonewall Riots today. And then I'm going, okay, well, I will try to, as graciously as possible, tear apart rent without hurting anybody's feelings. Yeah, because uh, we're, we're going to talk about rent. Uh, a musical that I love, but can completely acknowledge is a uh, hot trash, like burning your lyrics in a trash can in your living room. So, having now watched Rent and then gone back and rewatched La Boheme, mm-hmm. I have a little bit of a. I can kind of overlap and explain some of the two. Okay. Which I know just enough to make me dangerous. I also think that that makes Rent way worse. It does. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not gonna, I, I was like, oh, it's based on Lava Wemble. I'm gonna go rewatch that and uh, yeah, make sure I, that I understand. Cause that was like, my granddad was really funny cause he was like very quiet and didn't do anything. But then he had like all these VHS tapes of opera. Mm-hmm. And when he would ride alongside somebody that was blasting music really, really loud in the Republican white demographic area of orange county california he would put up like aida or whatever all the way in his car and be like his car would be rocking to this opera while these guys on the side would just look at him like what are you doing old man so i i went on a girl's trip with a friend uh back home to the motherland of dallas fort worth and uh my music was on shuffle and flight of the valkyries came on (laughs) So it's just like me tooling down the highway with in my Prius listening to Fly to the Valkyries and that's just like a casual thing that happened. Um but yeah, so we're going to talk about Rent. Um a musical that the further we go on ages worse. And this is one of those fun ones where I guess I technically get to be good cop because I don't hate this. I have seen the reunion show, the 20th anniversary reunion show, where everyone got back together. I saw that at the Majestic. Uh, I was in a production of Rent when I was in high school because I was queer and felt seen. (laughs) And I, of course, auditioned using uh, Seasons of Love like every basic person in choir and a musical theater, just like you audition usually to Phantom of the Opera or Les Mis. just very, very not subtle shade at all towards the choir community. I'm going to cut my credibility like in half here by saying that I used Out Tonight as a audition song to get into a burlesque troupe. I think that's great. Um, also, if you auditioned ever using a song from Rent, I want to know because I feel like I feel like there's like three audition songs. There's um, I Dreamed a Dream. There's God Help the Outcast, which I know is Hunchback. There's um, Think of Me from Phantom. And then usually some basic does Seasons of Love. And I'm saying I, I was the some basic, but like some basic does Seasons of Love. I can give you the karaoke breakdown. You have the girls who are experiencing or trying to learn their sexuality singing out tonight. 100% mm-hmm. can back that up. Mm-hmm. You have the two girls who are attempting to be edgy and have never in their life even kissed a girl singing Take Me or Leave Me, which was constant on Saturday nights 
when they were trying to pick up dudes and trying to make themselves look bisexual. Uh. So the group's fr- the the resident bisexuals were like, "Oh shit, dude, we're trying to not look like manic pixie bi girls." Okay, calm down. <sighs> um, and then mostly we just went into the regular other crap that everybody always sings, Bohemian Rhapsody, which I love, but not mm-hmm. when large drunk or groups of drunk men sing it. Um, Does anyone like it when that happens? No. Especially if they're threatening you on a bus or a plane. Wait, uh, what? <laughs> so I ran into a bunch of guys in the UK when I was studying oh. out there, and we were on a um, on the tube. Uh huh. Guy goes, "Oh yeah, who's your team?" And we're all looking at him because it was like the middle of the World Cup. Right. Like this could go real bad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Well, we're Americans, so." Uh, and he's like, "Oh, you're Americans? Okay, yeah. Then never mind. This probably doesn't matter that much to you." And I'm in there going. I've been trying to track the U.S., but we got knocked out a while ago. But I like didn't want to say that because right. this guy's like in front of me and obviously intoxicated. He's like, "Oh yeah, we totally were on a plane. We were going to one of the games, and we were we got the entire plane to sing Bohemian Rhapsody." And I'm going, "That sounds really? that sounds terrible." I was like, "Either that would be amazing, like if y'all had great voices and everybody was into it, or that would be like the most terrifying thing for flight attendants ever." Yeah, none of that sounds positive or good. Uh, much like I'm assuming how we're going to feel about Rent. So, <laughs> Okay, so what are we are we drinking today? We are drinking a, a cherry limeade Moscow mule made with Stoli because that is one of the things that you see uh, predominantly in the... Well, okay, so it's a thing in both versions, the musical and the movie. We're mostly using the movie as canon because the musical does some things that I actually think make it more problematic, which we might have some time to talk about because I've seen both versions now. Yeah, so there's some versions, I think, there's some, there's some aspects of the musical that I think actually make it worse. Uh, But Stoli is the drink. We're drinking Stoli. Uh, Tori, I'm going to put you on blast. What did you tell me uh, yesterday that Stoli goes well with? your personal tragedies and trauma in life (laughs) yes because i'm uh i'm not a vodka drinker so i have this beautiful bottle of stoli now in my apartment and i have no idea what to do with it because vodka for me has always been like the i'm sad and drunk drink and that's like my (laughs) day-to-day which i mean i guess i'm sad and drunk drink like like really disclosed like god well because like my my family has always been okay with me drinking wine like me being a bit of a wino has always been okay because like that's classy it doesn't matter if you drink like a bottle you're not an alcoholic you just enjoy it um and then the gin thing like there's really only like so much gin you can drink before your liver shuts down on you so like gin kind of makes you pace yourself but I've never had like an appreciation for vodka except for not yet a sponsor. There is a vodka distillery here in San Antonio that makes glitter vodka. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. And I've consumed it. There was a cocktail there. It was called a, uh, the purple fairy and it's glitter vodka and cotton candy, which is Amanda in a cocktail. Essentially. I was going to say that that matches up. Yeah. It was really, really good. Um, so I'm not a vodka drinker, but this will be exciting. So your basic recipe is going to be, uh, lime juice, ginger beer, uh, grenadine, or just the juice from maraschino cherries and your vodka. I cheated because I wanted this sweet. So I'm using bold Canada dry, which I did not know was a thing. 
Canada oh. Dry comes in bold. I didn't know that either. Uh, I'm using IBC Cherry Limeade because I did not want to buy limes. <laughs> I had limes left over because I was like, a week ago when I had energy, I was like, I'm going to make a key lime pie. We'll be out of oh. this soon. And then internally going, we're not going to be out of this soon. You know this. Yeah. You know this. You, you live know. here forever now. And I'm like, it's fine. This is fine. Yeah, I, I just didn't want to buy limes. I don't have a rationale for it. I just, I walked past the produce section of H-E-B and was like, fuck it. <laughs> so I made mine extra sweet to overcompensate for the fact that I'm not a vodka drinker. Tori is the one with the copper mug. I am poor, so I'm drinking out of my mug from the Edgar Allan Poe uh, birthhouse. Which is awesome. My mm-hmm. mine copper mug was given to me when I got married, so. That's a good wedding gift. Okay, yeah. so there's about, I put about a shot and a half of Stoli in here. This isn't bad. Um, Stoli apparently is one of the better vodkas. Is it? Apparently. So my big, my big joke is, and I, I learned this song at, uh, is it Viva Las Vegas and mm-hmm. uh, Las Vegas of all places, and then right, and right. then I've also seen it on the Renaissance Fair circuit. There's a song called Stolichnaya, and if you could find it on YouTube, it is hysterical. But the the chorus is basically Stolichnaya, Stolichnaya. It's not the best that you can buy it, but it's the best that you can drink when you're alone, and you have to sing it in this very over dramatic Russian or Ukrainian style, mm-hmm. and it's phenomenal. So. Yeah, it's, so on the list, it's not, like, the worst vodka, but it's also not, like, the best vodka. Like, I would not drink Popov. That's basically drinking nail polish remover. I wouldn't drink Seagram's. Oh, yeah. I'm, like, I'm remembering college right now. (laughs) Basically, as long as Seagram's is an option, nothing can be the worst. Well, it's, like, they kind of station stuff in liquor stores out here where it's like, you've got the really, really, well, it's everywhere where they have those super nice bottles on the top and then you got right. like, the stuff on the bottom. And I just remember until recently, I didn't go above the second shelf. Right. It was like, don't even worry about it. I mean, I'm not loaded. I'm just old now. So. Right. <laughs> so you don't have a tolerance for the cheap shit. Yeah. I'm like, uh, well, I'm not re like, I'll get the handle of Tito's. Like, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I love Tito's, but that would have been an authentic to the recipe. We had to use Stoli, uh, which is also my favorite cat from Too Cute. Oh, I, I finally got to show you what Stoli looks like. Yeah. Uh, Stoli, if you've listened to the pod before, is a cat who uh, is the father of a litter of kittens, and he was avoiding his uh, duty as parent by hanging out in the sink until his children found him, and he looked very malcontent. He's like, Why? Uh, so uh that's what we're drinking um i guess follow along as a uh, tori writhes in pain because i got to pick this um on a sheer technicality let's on on the fittest because, of technicalities because technically there is a libretto for this well it's not, what is it? it's just the booklet it's libretto if it's opera right i don't yes. know i should have looked that up before we did this Hi. Nothing matters. <laughs> I'm only slightly an expert. Um, <laughs> anyway, so if you're looking at Lava Web, it's a libretto. If you're mm-hmm. looking at this, there's like a book for the musical for the stage, because otherwise, how are you supposed to know all the lines and all the music and all that? Right. So 
sheerest technicality, but this is taught in schools, not high school, but usually college. I was say hoops is teaching who yeah. hoops is teaching this in schools. Though um, it is it is a favorite amongst some drama teachers. Yes. That's where I'm going with it. <laughs> yeah. Some drama teachers do love it. Some drama teachers want to burn it in a fire. It depends on your drama teacher. Yeah, I feel like you can you can tell a lot about your drama teacher based on what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. My high school drama teacher um, said we couldn't do Grease because we'd get in too much trouble with the parents in the area. Understood. Mm. And okay. we couldn't do Phantom because we did not have the budget for a giant chandelier. And she was not going to be responsible for that if we made one and it collapsed on the audience. I think one of my favorite, and by favorite, I mean I hate it, are like minimalist productions of like things that need sets. It's like, this is a minimalist Romeo and Juliet. Like, it's two boxes, Caitlin. It's, <laughs> it's two crates. That's not minimalist. You were robbed. Like, that's <laughs> Listen, our drama department didn't get a lot of love sometimes. I just, I, I love that so much. Cause like there are some productions that you can do without a ton of, like I'm down for like a minimalist Hamlet. You can do that. You can even probably do a minimalist Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. That's fine. But you can do like a minimalist Les Mis. You can't do a minimalist Phantom. Like, it is like, oh, this is a minimalist production of A Midsummer's Night Dream. It's like you have three crates. That's not minimalist. That looks like someone stole your shit. I just imagined us trying to make a chandelier and it being made out of cardboard covered in rhinestones. No, I wouldn't fa- use pieces cardboard. pieces falling apart as we start no, the show. <laughs> I would use uh, pool noodles and uh, beaded trim from Joanne Fabrics. There you go. This is why you, this is why you have a cosplayer usually on your staff because We'll figure shit out. Spray the pool noodles down on, like, gold. Yeah. I mean, that's how I do it. That way, if it does fall, like, no one's going to die. But you can build out that grand scale. There you- See, now now you all know that I have a horrible theater past. Um, I mean, I wanna- think they could tell. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't hidden at all. It's like... <sighs> sexuality or sexuality questions, daddy issues, and wait knowing way too much about musical theater bingo i mean do we get to like sign that on a card yeah absolutely that's we need to add that to bingo. <laughs> okay anyway do you want a short one. story long yes short story long. act one mm-hmm. i will try to keep my personal feelings out of this until we get a little farther in tori you kept in an amanda what the fuck like you were not trying to keep your personal feelings out of this <laughs> I wasn't going to read it, but now I am. Okay. (laughs) It's Christmas Eve in the East Village, New York, Mm -hmm. land of high rent prices, of course. Mm -hmm. We meet Mark, a filmmaker, and his roommate, Roger, a rock musician. They are both trying to stay warm with no heat and make their art. Roger wants to create one last song since he has HIV and he's pretty sure he's going to die soon. Mark wants to make an important film with a handheld recorder. Anyway, backing down, backing down especially since his girlfriend Marine has just dumped him for another woman. Mm-hmm. Their friend Tom Collins, which sounds like a drink, plans it to is meet a drink. up with them. I was like, I should have made a Tom Collins. Okay, anyway. He's a gay anarchist professor in modern philosophy. Well, modern for the time, it was computer age philosophy. Which However, isn't a thing, sorry. Like, it's not a thing. 
Tom, however, gets mugged pretty bad in front of the their their place. Yes. So, uh, while all this shit is going down, Mark and Roger find out their former roommate Benny is planning to shut down their power after demanding rent from the year before, mm-hmm. and then reneging on some verbal agreement that they had, where he said, "Oh, well, you're not going to owe rent." Mm-hmm. From what I can tell from the movie portion, because it's this is what we're doing. He's married a rich girl who has family mm-hmm. who owns the building. Mark and Roger rebel and say, sorry, bro, we can't pay. Even okay, so I do have clarification on that. Okay. So, yes, uh, Benny married, I think her name is actually Muffy. Like, I think she actually has like, one of those like terrible uh, rich white names. I used air quotes because uh, y'all can't see us. Um, Benny still owns the building. That's what got his foot in the door with the terrible rich white girl. But her parents are like, or her dad really is like, you need to make money and also like we want less poor people gotcha okay yes so uh, where was i here we go collins is in an alley thank you <laughs> collins is in an alley he's all beat up and he's mm-hmm. run into by what is referred to previously as a cross-dressing street drummer currently out of drag this yes. is angel however yes. in the movie version they try to determine a couple times whether or not Angel is trans, which in the stage show, it's that's like, not handled well. It's not handled well. Um, <laughs> they go back and forth between he and she, and then during spoiler alert, Angel's funeral, she. Yes. Um. So anyway, Angel runs into Collins in the alley. Right. They find out each other has HIV, and they're like, "Hey." Buddy, you seem just like the kind of person I want to be with. Right. Anyway, um, I feel like I missed something here. Okay. No. Roger reveals he has HIV, which he got from a girlfriend he used to do drugs with. Keep yes. in mind, in the movie, this is explained through flashbacks during a later part. Um, during the musical, it's just some dude singing on what they say is a fire escape. So she killed herself after her diagnosis, and Roger is basically a depressed asshole most of the time. Understandable. I was about to say. Mark decides, hey, I'm going out. Roger's like, I don't want to deal with your shit. I'm staying in. Yeah, Like, everyone's shit, because he's dumb. Done, not dumb. Their neighbor, (sighs) Mimi, who is an addict and exotic dancer, comes by to ask Roger to light her candle, because her power is out. In La Boheme, the Mimi comes to get a candle lit, because yes. one, it is freezing, and two, she needs light to embroider by. Our yes. Mimi, however, is getting a candle so that she can heat heroin on a spoon. And anyway. also because she wants to get her dick wet with this older man. Yes. <laughs> so he keeps trying to light her candle. She keeps blowing the damn candle out so she can flirt with him longer. Amanda, I hate this. Anyway. This is the first I um, hate this, Amanda. There's like yes. three in here. <laughs> Roger isn't having any of it because he's like, nah, girl, just let me die. Also, we need to aside for a very uncomfortable age gap. Super uncomfortable age gap. I mean, she is legal. <laughs> She's like 19. Yeah, but the fact that we have to say she is legal is a problem. <laughs> so it's getting to be more like daytime. Collins yes. enters the apartment with Angel, who is now in full drag yes. in all its glory. Angel, who I will refer to as she going forward because of the lot of back and forth, yes, um, tells a whole story about how she killed a dog to get money. She killed an Akita. An Akita to get money. Cannot support 
any of this. I will say in Lava mm-hmm. Wem, he kills mm-hmm. a parrot. Yes. Very short line. Yes. It's not a um, song. Yeah, they murder. Yeah, how great Angel, it is to murder a parrot. Well, it's kind of. Anyway, moving on. Angel murders an Akita named Evita, uh, which I, as much as y'all know, I hate any time that writers feel like they're clever. Fuck you. I hate that. Uh, this is where I'll also say, this is the second, Amanda, what the fuck, I hate this. Um. <laughs> so, Mark makes it home, Benny mm-hmm. shows back up and says he'll cancel their rent and let them stay if they get Mark's ex-girlfriend, Maureen, to cancel her protest. Mm-hmm. Her protest to prevent Benny from building a cyberspace in an area where homeless people are camping. Yes. They tell Benny to go fuck himself. Mark gets a yes. call to go help Maureen with sound equipment for her protest. He yes. runs into her new girlfriend, Joanne, the only character in this entire musical that I actually like. And is beautiful. Um, and is gorgeous. Anyway, and they both hesitantly work to get the equipment functioning, which mm-hmm. is when we have Tango Maureen. Um, they start bonding because they find out Maureen is a total cheating gaslighter, our manic pixie dream by friend, which my computer auto-corrected to pie. Which- I kind of like that. And uh, I'm sorry, Maureen is also hot. <laughs> Well, Adina Menzel is always hot. and Which is why I can't like Frozen. <laughs> I'm trying to give her a pass because of Frozen, and it's very hard. It's, anyway. actually, it's actually why I can't get into Frozen, because I just see Mari. <laughs> so, Mark goes to Life Support to check out the support group that Collins and Angel go to in regards to HIV support. Mm-hmm. However, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. He's going to film it he doesn't get prior permission or anything like that so that he does no he asks if he can film he pulls out his camera goes is this okay like no nobody's gonna be like no actually they could violating my rights no um, they 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 could but they didn't i'm I'm trying to he's awful i'm sorry so roger ends up getting bugged by mimi again and he freaks out at her and says she'll need to leave because why the fuck won't she leave him alone? Mm-hmm. Roger's upset because he realized he's going to die from AIDS and it won't be pretty. I love all my spelling errors in this because it's like diet from AIDS. I usually have time to go back and fix them, but I didn't have time this time. I was just like, whatever, I don't care. Okay, Collins, <laughs> Mark, and Angel end up protecting a homeless woman from a police officer, but she chews them out because Mark Rightfully. is doing the whole thing and right. understandable. Collins yes. tries to lighten up the situation by talking about opening a restaurant in Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. Mark leaves them to go see Roger. Angel and Collins go into a hysterical love song for each other. Joanne yeah. is trying to get everything set up for the protest. Roger mm-hmm. apologizes to Mimi and invites her to the protest and dinner with friends after. Mm-hmm. The police and the homeless prepare for the protest. Maureen does an absolutely terrible performance based on the nursery rhyme. Um, it gets yeah. broken up. But it's very obvious that she's just more in it for her own personal attention. Um, the movie does that, yes. From what I've heard and seen of the stage show, it's supposed to be that she says it's really bad. It's just a really bad stage performance. Yeah, it's it, in both versions, it's bad. Like, it's never meant to look good, but at least in the musical, like, they're, she's trying to be more sincere. I guess it's just the framing of the movie that it can't look sincere at all. But so, now we get to the fun part where they destroy a restaurant. Yes. The whole thing gets broken up by the police. They all bail, go to the Life Cafe, where they never fucking pay for anything and basically terrorize a restaurant owner as often as possible. Benny criticizes them for being weird-ass bohemians. Mimi and Roger find out each other are both HIV positive, and 
bailout to move their relationship forward. They have a whole conversation. So during this whole time, there's a whole thing with Joanne and uh, Maureen where this guy's looking at them while they're like kind of being sexy with each other. And she goes, hey, mister, it's my sister. And then we're close. And it's like, what? Why, why did you feel the need to put an incest joke in there? Anyway. I, I like that line. I don't know why. Anyway, everyone goes back to their apartment to find out it's been padlocked. Well, shit. Okay. Act two, there is more. (laughs) Act two, I wrote, well, fuck, there's more. Um, Mark and Roger break back into the apartment with Angel's help, who hits it with a trash can. Yes. Mark's footage from the protest earns him a phone call to come work at the tabloid called Buzzline. Finally, he makes some fucking money. Uh, Benny shows up and is like, okay, so you paid me, so we have a truce. He also says that Mimi has convinced him, and we find out that Benny and Mimi used to date which super pisses off Roger because evidently women are not allowed to have a past in Roger's world. But also when, because Mimi's like literally 19. Yeah, so I'm like, what was she, like 17? Like, creepy. Anyway. We're not going to think about that, yeah. (laughs) Roger apologized, Mimi's pissed, she goes to get high. Yes. Um, Evidently, at some point in time, Roger and Mimi move in together. Marina and Joanne get into a huge fight where Marina accuses Joanne of being controlling and Joanne basically calls her a slut yes um they have a super dramatic breakup in the movie this happens at their wedding it's a engagement party okay but this whole thing is through um the song take me or leave me which i've heard a zillion times because of karaoke and Uh, i love it mimi is basically way on drugs at this point roger is so jealous collins is nursing angel who is straight up dying because of aids Mm mm-hmm Buzzline offers Mark a corporate job. Angel dies, and his friends come together to share their memories. Collins mm-hmm. tells everyone to stop being assholes because they keep fighting this entire time. Joanna Marine somehow reconcile, which in the movie we only kind of see when they're carrying freaking Mimi's body up to this building. Anyway, getting ahead of myself. Mimi overhears Roger talking about how he can't handle Mimi's declining death, and so she ends up going, oh, I'll go to rehab, which he's been asking you to do for anyway. Yeah. Um, Collins can't pay for the funeral and he's forced out of the church. Uh, Benny offers to uh, buy him and Mark a drink. Collins and Benny catch up and become friends. Mm-hmm. Roger writes his song that he's been talking about. Mark quits his job because he's going to make a film of his own and he won't be a corporate tool. Oh, God. <laughs> exactly a year later, Roger tries to find Mimi to play his song for her, but no one can find her. Yes. I don't know. Maybe she hasn't been living in an apartment because she's addicted to drugs and living on the street, you asshole. Anyway, um, Mimi is totally hooking back up with Benny, which is really not good news for Benny's wife. Or and, anyone. Yeah, and his wife kind of found out, and so she's pulled him out of the East Village. Mm-hmm. Um, Colin shows up with a ton of cash because he's reprogrammed the ATM at the grocery store to give money to people who type in the word angel. Mm-hmm. The fuck? That is fraud and straight up theft dude you will go to prison anyway but um, he's an anarchist joanne carries in mimi who has been living on the street as she is dying roger sings to her she comes back claiming that angel appeared before her in white light and told her to come back to earth which was girl turn around um the group decides to spend the remaining lives together and stop fighting which is about five minutes y'all I give it five fucking minutes. Mm. The end. <laughs> uh, so you may have been able to hear an immense amount of disdain 
from Victoria. <laughs> Sorry, I tried and I couldn't. I couldn't. Uh, um, so that was Rins. Um, in between there, there are a lot of songs that uh, I actually like a lot, even though they're terrible. Um, <laughs> and they advocate a lot of things that aren't great, like terrorizing restaurants and killing uh, a dog for money. Do- okay. Angel didn't try to kill the dog. The request was to drum so the dog would go away. Now the dog jumped to its death, ergo that is not Angel's direct fault. Angel he was excited didn't... the dog went to doggy hell. Because Angel got paid. <laughs> I don't have... I'm trying to rationalize Angel's bad behavior and I don't know why. Um, this musical is a mess. Um... The movie, I think, tries to make it better, except for um, by giving us actors of different ages, it's way worse. Because it makes sense if they're, like, relatively young and whatever, but all of these people look 40. Yeah, so the the movie is directed by Chris Columbus, who did, like, Alone and some more, like, modern films. The first two Harry Potters, of all things. Um and they tried really, really hard to get the original cast to be part of this. The problem with this is the original cast, when they did this, it was mm-hmm. a lot more believable, just to reemphasize Amanda's point. So now yeah. in their 30s and 40s in the movie, you're like, well, I would believe these behaviors from like a 22-year-old. Right, when you guys are like 40. Behaviors. Yeah. You guys are 40, get a job. Um, and it's also just unrealistic for the time period, uh, because if we're making parallels to La Boheme, like, that makes sense for that time period when there's no options, and it's also a disease that, mm, I have to be careful with how I word this, you have less control in how you get that. So, in La Boheme, it is tuberculosis. Yes. Which is nasty, nasty shit. Yes. Um... For the time period, and I'll kind of go a little bit into it. So at the end of La Boheme, we get mm-hmm. to see this very dramatic death of Mimi. We mm-hmm. see basically there is no hope. These two people love each other very much, mm-hmm. but their love is not going to stop this. Mm-hmm. It's just her lungs are toast. She's fucked. And she, she dies toast. after a very dramatic, very dramatic song. And so the joke my mom used to always say from, um, my gosh moonstruck was she's out this thing in a hot out like anyway um mm-hmm. i had to get i had to get that in there at least once so uh. in the movie all of a sudden it's like mimi comes back from all these like extremely destructive behaviors and i'm one of those people who does believe that addiction is the disease yes um, but my big question because she at one point in time does the whole um azt break which was like the medication at the time were one mm-hmm. of, and it's okay. So going back, going back, um, the eighties AIDS epidemic is a big portion of this, this stage play. It's supposed to be set in the eighties. Yes. Or stage play musical. Here we are. Um, <laughs> most of the characters are affected by HIV. Yes. Through drug use, through, um, reusing needles. Um, or in or, Angel's case. Yeah. Or, sexually in it yes um at the time of the 80s this 
for anybody who was not alive at that time period or is still trying to learn about it. Think about what's going on with coronavirus right now and then amplify that by the fact that this was a disease that could take sometimes three years to show up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not that it didn't show up from testing, but the fact that you didn't start seeing symptoms of your body shutting down. Mm -hmm. So it was very hard for medical organizations and the CDC, who that kind of stuff, to provide recommendations. So you had people who were getting blood transfusions, right? Mm -hmm. Who we didn't have a test for HIV or AIDS at the time. So somebody would go in and donate blood and it would become, you know, it would be infected blood. That is one of the reasons why today, even, they fight gay men donating blood, which is bullshit that's it which is shenanigans yes at this point in time we have tests we have weight every those that blood goes through a zillion different tests before Mm -hmm. it goes into a human body Mm -hmm. in the 80s that was not the case so it's like you have people who are willing to donate blood that they're just like "Mm, i'm just i'm not comfortable with that um anyway back to this whole thing azt was about eight thousand dollars a year and right. it was extremely toxic. Um, the FDA didn't really have a whole lot of medication options at the time, or if they did, they were like, whatever, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get to it eventually, because mm-hmm. it wasn't considered to be a big money maker. Let's be mm-hmm. real on that. Um, there was a lot of pushback from conservatives about, well, you know, this is a gay disease, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, we don't, we don't really want, need to worry about it. Um, mm-hmm. if it we're not for protests, if it were not for people standing up and saying, no, this is bullshit, this affects everyone, you are literally releasing a plague on the world, mm-hmm. nothing would have been done. So what's interesting in this musical is that we have a bunch of people who supposedly have no money and are working as artists on mm-hmm. ACT. Mm-hmm. So part of my question is, one, how is Mimi getting the money for this and the heroin mm-hmm. at the same time? How has she not died actually sooner from the combination mm-hmm. of the two? Mm-hmm. Um, Roger, I'm surprised that he's not presented with more of a decline, but they don't really give us too much of a time period of how far back his girlfriend committed suicide after being identified as positive. So... The musical tells us it wasn't that long ago. I think they okay. say like maybe like I think like about a year or two. Like it's not that far. Like it's not like oh, fifteen years ago or whatever. Like it's not. Um, as far as Mimi, they always allude that she usually gets the drugs usually through tricks. Um, or she is still a dancer, so she's making money. How much we don't really know. Like we don't have access to her W twos or anything. But like, it's always alluded to that like she's never had an issue getting a hold of this stuff. Um, which yeah does uh, have a which which is an issue in this because you can't have the narrative of we're all poor starving artists, but we're also affording the super uh, expensive medication and like buying nice clothes and stuff. Like that doesn't make sense. Um, it's falsely dichotomous. Um, to reemphasize the whole like AIDS crisis thing, also like much like with current coronavirus, it was pretty much an entirely manufactured issue. Like this could have been handled much neatlier and much cleaner if not for corporate greed and government mm-hmm. ignorance, um, because it was assumed that this was kind of just a gay issue. So we're not going to talk about it. 
um, it, w- it really is a manufactured crisis and it's been a huge uh, source of distrust in the LGBT community towards the government. So if you see a lot of queer people who are like really, really like anarchistic, that's one of the reasons, um, especially queer people of color who are as always the most affected by everything. <laughs> um, if you need a good insight into when the government started caring about this, look at a Dallas Buyers Club, which is a, which is how most straight people come to understand the AIDS crisis, which is, I guess, sad. But if you've never had to worry about this, I understand how it's hard to empathize. And again, to reiterate on the anniversary of the Stonewall raids, we, air quotes, defeated the crisis by rioting and standing up and it was not beautiful and it was not artistic and no one went off into that good sweet night there was blood shed tears violence nope there was a lot of a yarn bombing as well we're going to sit in and we're going to knit in and we're going to be artistic but we're also going to throw a brick through this building (laughs) um so it wasn't just let's go uh write emo poetry in our uh brownstone loft there was violence, a lot of it, and it went on for a very, very long time, uh, much longer than really it should have. So I honestly, I honestly wish that they hadn't framed this around AIDS because so much of the actions that either lead up to their demises or how they contract that illness are down to personal choice rather than it being something that's accidental or something that's more incidental. Um, the musical's a mess. We'll just say that as far as um, framing. Because yeah, at least with tuberculosis, like that's like a phantom thing that you cannot control. There was, there was no, it was random and capricious and there was no way that that could have been prevented. Now I am far from like trying to victim uh, shame or blame any of the fictional characters in this musical but you could stop doing heroin. (laughs) I will say a really, really good book to understand the AIDS crisis. And there's also a movie. So if you have a hard time sitting through a massive book, it's Mm -hmm. called And the Band Played On. Um, And it was actually, we had to watch the movie in school, Mm -hmm. in our health class. It was like one of those summer health classes where like Mm -hmm. if you were taking too many credits and you had to take stupid state required things and just went in. Anyway, absolutely amazing film um i think it was done by hbo in the 90s but it breaks down the aids crisis how different people were affected um Mm -hmm. the importance of using condoms the importance of being of getting tested the importance of taking care of yourself if you do get the disorder um and a lot of this, unfortunately, and I know we, we try to avoid talking about it as much as possible, a lot of this does tie back into coronavirus, guys. Yeah. It really does. Um, we're seeing a disproportionate effect on lower-income families, on people mm-hmm. of color, um, mm-hmm. people who don't have easy access to medical. And mm-hmm. I know that we have the Affordable Care Act, but you guys, that's been ripped apart so many times. And that may, and that's facing repeal again um, in the coming again. weeks. Um, um, trans people have lost their their rights on it. Um, yep. There are still ways to fight that. Um, yes, it's it's horrifying. It's horrifying because yeah. what's happening, and, and this is something that I think a lot of the wealthier population doesn't necessarily understand, is this is going to affect you. 
Yeah. This is going to affect you. Right. Um, you have to remember there are people, the people who are making your sandwiches are the ones that are more at risk. You know, the people right. you meet in the grocery store, these mm-hmm. people are on the front lines every day. They're not right. being paid fairly. They're not yep. getting the supplies they need. Nurses and doctors are still not getting the PPE that they need. No. And this is going to continue to be a huge problem until it's taken seriously. Um, for people who live outside San Antonio, uh, last night we got a text message at 7.02 p.m. Mm-hmm. basically telling us this was a citywide emergency and that mm-hmm. we needed to stay indoors. Yep. So scary stuff when it's 7 o'clock on a Saturday night. Yeah. Um, our bars are all shut down. Everything is shut down right now. But they shouldn't um, have been open. They should not have been open. I'm sorry. No, you're right. Um, and this is the thing is, and this is something that you saw over and over again in the AIDS crisis, is money was, and profits were put above people. Yeah, over capitalism. Capitalism consistently was put over people. And it's frustrating. I do have another book that might be good. Um, it's called Stage Struck, Theater, AIDS, and the Marketing of Gay America. Yeah, um, that's another, it's actually on my Amazon wish list, uh, but I, that was one of the books that Lindsay Ellis used uh, in her video where she rips this movie apart. <laughs> we'll include the link for sure, because that was actually something I went through it. At first I was like, I don't know if I want to watch a 40 minute video about somebody but else it's talking about so this. And then I'm like, good. oh my gosh. And I will say, Lindsay Ellis and I don't always get along as far mm-hmm. as like hot takiness. Mm-hmm. I, I agreed with almost everything she said, and I was like, oh. Where do you not agree with her with hot takes? Because I know where mine is. So, it's various things from time to time. I don't really have a an, a, an example. A white whale. Uh, yeah. there. It's been more just like minor things, me being like, well, I don't know. You know, you could also interpret it this way. Y'all have heard me backpedal yeah. hard when Amanda gives me a good fact, okay? Like, <laughs> I am willing to change my mind. It's not a wishy-washy thing. It's a, mm-hmm. am I being presented with facts right. that make sense right. and can overturn this decision? Right. But from time to time, I will find people. And this, you see this a lot with you know anybody who's in media, podcasts, mm-hmm. YouTubers, that kind of stuff, where they'll say something and you're like, I don't know though. Let me do some research on that. Do your research. Yeah, 100% and, of the time, guys. Yeah, 100% of the time, because uh, in, all, in all honesty, it was actually Lindsay Ellis's video that made, me, that made me be willing to backpedal a little bit from Rent, because I was one of those, like, more aggressive people who advocated for it, because, again, when I was in high school, I was gay, and it made me feel seen. Looking back, though, as an adult with logic, uh, there's some problematic elements to it. I think my white whale for Lindsay Ellis was, um, she did a video on Moana... And she talked a lot about Pocahontas and like how bad Pocahontas is. And I didn't really enjoy that because to me, especially, I'm very big on like, if this is your first step into something that you don't understand, maybe it's not always going to be the best, but we're trying. And at the time, for what it could have been, I genuinely do think Pocahontas was doing its best. It wasn't enough. Especially at that point in time in the 90s where we had zero representation coming out. Right, right. Their facts are almost entirely wrong. Yes. Um, 
For those out there who like a little bit of retribution, Ratcliffe was actually skinned alive by a local native tribe. Yes, but um, if you were like me, where you were a child, that was probably one of the first times that you saw a Native American and saw them be beautiful and saw their tribe be beautiful and cool. And yes, in hindsight, it's hella problematic. And no, they don't talk to the animals. And like, sure, in hindsight, but I was a literal child when that movie came out and there were no other natives anywhere. So, or no, there was that sad uh, Native American crying with a littering commercial. That was it. Those were the two. <laughs> that was it. Um, and I mean, like, going back, we do forever have now the meme, the white man is dangerous. Which is the best meme ever no, created. As uh, a white person cannot argue. Like, right, like. And as a black person, I will use that frequently, and I do, uh, because it's true. But that was sort of my white whale with Lindsay Ellis. It's like, you uh, eh, I get where you're coming from, but I'm not sure I'm crazy about how you're getting there, which I feel like is most of my soft issues with her. I, on a whole, I like her a lot, but every once in a while, it's like how she gets from A to B, I'm not always okay with. I'm usually okay with A, and I'm usually fine with B. How we got there... I'm usually like, mm, you took a turn, and I'm not sure that I'm crazy about it. But um, so that was, in a nutshell, uh, the AIDS crisis and epidemic. Uh, we in no way can cover that uh, articulately because I think at this stage most of it's just going to be a screeching existential dread about the coronavirus. Um, because I, 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 I don't understand people. I know I, I've kind of reached the point now where I realized that I cannot teach people empathy. Oh, um, you're just now learning that? Well, yeah, because I'm one of those people who just keeps like banging against the door with my entire face going, but you guys, but you guys. Um, and this, a lot of this comes from, from working with human trafficking and stuff too now, where it's like. Working to stop human trafficking. Yes. Corey's not a human trafficker. Yes, I'm not a human trafficker. I am like way the opposite side, guys. Um, <laughs> Amanda comes in with the same. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it is a, it's like the, the, in the top three businesses in the world at this point. Um, mm-hmm. and we have this whole thing where we're like, oh, well, slavery is over. Emancipation proclamation. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, 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 this has just continued. Whether it's sexually and hidden away in hotel rooms, whether it's not paying people equal wages. Whether mm-hmm. it's sending it out to freaking eight-year-olds in foreign countries to, like, make your shoes. Like, this is still a thing, guys. It is. And it takes oh. a lot of work and effort. It does. I understand. Um, anyway, I will save that rant for another day. Everything is exhausting and we're both very tired. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. Every, like, everything is exhausting I'm at the stage where I I like facts and I like logic because they're almost impossible to refute. And I have no patience for people who look at facts and logic and are like, fuck it. Like, that stresses me out so much of like, hey, if you just wear a mask, like, you can limit transmission, like, so much. And it's like, this is against my rights. And it's like, show me where on the doll your rights are being violated, sir or ma'am. So I will try to find the link and I'm going to make a note for myself here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
have you seen the Parks and Rec thing where they yes. put the, <laughs> for, for our listeners, they took scenes from actual town hall meetings of people mm-hmm. saying that masks led to BDSM and Satanism and they just overlaid it with the Parks and Rec people going, hmm, that's a very interesting um, take. Yeah. And working with people in communities can confirm, can confirm. Also, I'm going to go ahead and say this. If any of you guys have a grandparent, aunt, or uncle who's like, I don't wear a mask because I have breathing issues, send them my way and I will fuck them up. Because I am an actual asthmatic and I still wear my mask every time that I'm outside. Uh, Because you know what's a lot easier to deal with is wearing a mask rather than being on a goddamn ventilator because my lungs are failing. Anyways, rent control. Rent control. I was going to say good segue, but the segues are stopping production. Oh, Well... Didn't the guy who invented it go over a cliff or something in a Segway? Anyway. He did. No, he completely did. And that's one of those weird things that everyone remembers. Also, uh, I used to work downtown in San Antonio. And my favorite thing would be watching tourists fall off of them because they'd have Segway tours. My favorite thing was watching tourists eat shit. Like, Avenue Q gets a lot of shit for being, like, mean-spirited. But locals, like, making tourists' lives miserable, yes. I am enjoying it every time I watch you futilely look at a map trying to figure out one-way streets in San Antonio. I'm having a great time anytime you eat shit in Travis Park on a Segway. I love every single time someone says the Alamo is small. The Alamo is small. I remember coming from Lano, tiny, tiny ass town. Mm-hmm. Now I've triangulated my previous location. I don't live there anymore. <laughs> Um, and being like, I'm going to come to San Antonio and I'm going to see the Alamo on my day off. It's so little. It's very small. It's it very, there's a lot of heightened emotions. So if you feel things, there's easily, a lot of heightened emotions. If you're a secret racist. Wow. No, okay. I don't mean like that. I mean, like when you walk into that freaking room, um, it will be, Oh, the ghosts. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't mean like that. No. Okay, I've ruined the podcast. I'm sorry. Like, like, um, they have their own cat, which I love. Um, yeah, her name's Bella. Bella, and then before they had Cece, and then they had Ruby, I think it was. And the two cats that are no longer alive are dead. Let's say dead. Um, they are buried on property with a little stone, and it's super cute. And it's over back by the bathroom. Yeah, there's also a, a pecan tree that has been there pretty much forever, and I am low-key waiting for it to fall. Not because I want it to fall, but just because every t- it, it, it feels like looking at a dying grandparent. Like, you're just waiting for the wind to blow the wrong way, and, like, grandpa's just gonna go. Do you realize that we're avoiding talking about rent control because we hate it so much? We're poor! So, and, and I may be wrong about a lot of this so um rent control don't worry i'll correct you the whole idea of it is to Uh basically make sure that you don't get priced out of your apartment yes Um, that you don't get kicked out because you can no longer afford to live there which we see a lot less of now especially in areas that are being gentrified Mm -hmm. um this is for every single person who's ever gotten that notification that in 30 days their rent's going up 500 to a thousand dollars um rent control is designed to kind of prevent that Mm -hmm. um you see this mostly in larger cities like new york um Mm -hmm. 
San Francisco to some extent, but not as prevalent. Um, uh, yeah. California has its own issue with that. Yeah, California basically at this point is like, I mean, if you want to move to another state, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the issue with rent control is, is that every once in a while, you still will have situations where even controlled, um, it's too much. It doesn't leave with a lot of uh, leniency or care if something, uh, happens. So, like, right now in the current times of corona, we've really had to see companies scramble to either accommodate and understand or to say, we're going to chuck this in the fuck it bucket and (laughs) everyone's going to be homeless. Um... The issue with Rent the Musical is that it seems like everyone is complaining for no reason. Uh, It does seem like, in theory, they could work and be able to afford their rent. Uh, The apartment isn't as luxurious in the musical, but that's a nice space in the movie. Like... yeah. What are y'all complaining about? And your friend's already giving you a deal. He only reneges on the deal after you compl- like consistently fuck him over. Like more than once have fucked him over and disrespected him. Uh, I'm a I'm a soft Benny apologist in the movie musical. He's doing some shady shit. Um, but movie, I'm a very very soft Benny apologist uh, because everyone tries to make like, oh, he's the bad guy. He's the capitalist. What the fuck is wrong with that? What is wrong with I bought this building and I'm tired of letting my friends live here for free, basically, as they continue to make fun of me for some reason. And I tolerate that. Um, And this kind of ties into our point about art versus regular employment. Right. um, Where Mark is fully capable of going out and getting a real job. Mm -hmm. He can totally be doing something in the field he is trained in mm-hmm. and making three grand as an easy pop for his first film right. I, like well not film but like footage yeah thing thing with pictures and pictures. he has parents who he doesn't willing he has... to support him his mom leaves <laughs> constant voicemails of baby we haven't heard from you do you need anything can well, we help and he's like so... this is why i won't move back and i'm like what the shit, dude? So they don't do that as much in the movie. In the musical, there's a whole montage of, like, the moms calling. And it's like, why do any of you have problems? None of you have an issue. Like, yeah, the, the musical actually makes it way worse because, yeah, there's a whole, like, song of, like, the parents just calling Mimi's mom calls, uh, Mark's parents call. Like, it's just a whole thing. And it's like, none of you have a problem. None of you. Everyone here has parents. Well, there's like two characters who don't have parents. Those totally understand. Um, But you're sitting there going, literally, they've offered to help you. They've offered to do anything they can to help you. You are actively choosing to not seek employment and not get help because you're a quote-unquote artist. And as much as I have issues with a lot of the things that Bukowski has said, um, one of his things is that if you can't create art while you're working, you're not a real artist. And, yeah. and it's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, it's hard. 
you know, Amanda and I do a podcast for free. Well, no, like, we, we get, we, we do get some money. Not a lot, but we do get some. Tori, what are you doing? I'm moving because I was really uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. Um, just she, seeing she just sees my boobs kind of cross the screen. Watching this like tango of limbs. And it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> also, cat check. Oh, there's no cats. Oh, I lied. There lied. is a Binks on the pillow. Yeah. Which I'm going to get in trouble for because that's Mark's pillow. Anyway, um, moving into Manic Pixie Dream Buys. Our so, favorite character. Here's the thing about pop culture. Yes. He really, really want to destroy the bisexual. Uh, I don't understand. Okay. No, 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 no. Pop culture doesn't want to destroy the bisexuals. The patriarchy wants to understand bisexuals, and bisexuals are bad at explaining what we do. So, what I've seen yes. of most pop culture is if a character is bisexual, yes. automatically they make her a slut or make him a slut yes. um, and sleep with everybody, yes. automatically assume they're into polyamory, which... I can say, as a bisexual, I'm not into. It's nothing personal. I'm just not into it. Um, the whole I'm, thing of where they try to make it look equal with them going back and forth between men and women, where there's usually a huge, like, spectrum of yeah. where people fall bisexually. I mean, you can be biromantic. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of areas that See, and we do have a hard time explaining it. Like, I just well, joke with people yeah. who sit in chairs funny. Anyway. Um, we but. do sit in chairs funny. But, um, <laughs> we, we do sit in chairs funny. Um, but that's the thing. Like, I think, I will say this. In my experience, the people who have been less tolerant to my bisexuality have actually been uh, gay men or lesbian women. Because most straight men are just cool threesome, which is inaccurate, but I can work with that. Most straight women are afraid, but it's like a sexy fear. Like, oh, were you like, were you flirting with me? Like, no, I date pretty girls. Like, I've said that to someone because, like, so I do a lot of like anime conventions and stuff, and um, I'd usually room with other ladies. And one of my one of one of the girls I was rooming with, like, oh, you're bi. Did you room with me because you wanted me? Like, no, I date attractive women. It's really funny because they automatically assume that you are going to be attracted to them and you're like, right. no. Yeah, you're like, like definitely not my type. My type is nerdy brunette. Sorry. Like, right, like the, the predatory gay is a thing. I think the predatory bi is also a huge, or like the secret predatory bi, that like we're using our bi-ness to like, like sneak in and like, I'm going to get your girl. And it's like, that's not what we're doing. Or the whole thing where in culture where it's like, oh, well, clearly they're a criminal element. And as much as I love River Song in Doctor Who, it's constantly like, oh, I'm going to kill this guy. And it's like, what? That doesn't even make any sense. Right. Stephen Moffat, what the fuck? Um, okay, Moffat's not good at anything. Oh my gosh. Are you watching? Oh, wait, do you watch Doctor Who? I have in the past. Okay. I'm going to tell you right now. They so Jody, who they've cast as the um, Jody Whitaker, yeah, Jody Whitaker, who's amazing. Yeah. So I went in and I had a lot of people be like, "I don't want a female doctor," and I'm like, "Okay." So 
they put Chibnall on, Chris Chibnall, as, like, the lead writer and, and uh-huh. story um, arc person. And it's, I've watched, like, three episodes of the new season. It's incredible. They amp the writing game. They amp their effects game. Jody is just brilliant. And it's, like... But also, isn't, like, Moffat not here for a lot of this? He's he's no longer really participating. He okay. He kind so, of retired from it. Okay. Um, because he couldn't make Sherlock terrible anymore? I don't know. <laughs> but, like... Because um, no one would continue to let him make Sherlock terrible. We've lost our entire audience. <laughs> sorry, everybody. <laughs> we've, um, lost, we've lost our whole audience. Should we um, move into what it means to be an ally? Uh, I do want to give one more point about Manic Pixie Dream Buys, though. Yeah. I think the only issue with that I have is that it does sort of paint buys into a corner of you either have to be really, really saintly or really, really messy. Because, like, for me, like, John Constantine was always a character that I really, really related to. And he is a slut. And he knows that. And he's fine with it. And he's an occult mess and a half. Right. I don't like him sleeping with a shark. I'm not okay with that. <laughs> I have a huge problem with that. I don't know why. I know he fucks a weird tentacle monster or is fucked by the tentacle monster, but I have a massive issue with him sleeping with a shark. For those of you who do not know, um, in a trailer for one of the animated DC movies, it is alluded that King Shark and Constantine had a thing, and I don't like any part of that at all. I don't know why. I don't know why this is the hill that I want to die on. I have no idea why this upsets me, but there is something in my lizard brain that is violently angry at the fact that John Constantine, I think, topped a shark? (laughs) Just imagining him lighting the cigarette, being like, you can't actually smoke one of these. Like, are, is that where we are, DC fandom? Is that John Constantine fucked a shark? Is this where y'all were upset about Batman v Superman? Constantine slept with a shark. And we're okay with this? Just, you know, that's just my two cents. But um, I actually find the Manic Pixie Dream by weirdly kind of empowering. Because I can relate to that. I can relate to that mess. And I do think that there is room for that negative representation. I think the problem is that it's been disproportionate. We've overwhelmingly had bad examples of what it means to be bisexual. Like, if you ask most people what it means to be bi, they're going to say Tila Tequila, who is a Nazi now. What? (laughs) Yeah, she's a Nazi now. Gosh. (laughs) There's a whole, yeah, she's a, yeah, that's a. we, we We don't count her. Yeah, literally no one, no one invited her. No one, no one asked her to She's not invited to the bike cookout, okay? Well, no, we can't be exclusionary. We can invite her. We just have to give her a seat at the table. Can we give her a seat at the broken children's table? Yeah, it's sort of like Caitlyn Jenner. Like, no one wants to sit with her, but we can't actively exclude her. She is a part of our family, but that doesn't mean that anyone's going to talk to her. Can we just exclude Tila Tequila for being a Nazi? Do we have to, uh, fellow members of the round table, please sound, please sound off if we have to include Nazis. <laughs> I would like to not include Nazis. I would also like to not include them, but I also don't want to be that person who excludes a member of the family. I'm just saying, I have a very, very strong no-Nazi 
policy. So. Thank you for that strong and brave stance. I really appreciate it. How brave of you to come out saying that you're anti-Nazi. Listen, I don't want to disappoint Captain America or Agent Carter, both of who I'm, I'm buying for, okay? Oh, Captain America. He has such a good butt. America's ass. Well, okay. Chris Evans has a good butt. I don't know if actual Steve Rogers has a good butt canon now that's just anyway so uh you want to talk about allyship as we're in uh technically we're still in pride yes okay y'all here's some things i don't want to hear you say if you're an ally Mm -hmm. love the center hate the sand don't just don't 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 come to the party just stay out of the party um if you ever have to qualify your sentence, also don't. Like, if you ever say, I'm an ally, but, no. Because that's one thing that drives me up the wall. Like, I'm an ally, but I don't support gay marriage in the church. No, so then you're not an ally. You've, you've invalidated that first part of the sentence. You're not an ally. People are a mess. Short and sweet. Yes. You're a mess. Yes. Do you love people? Do you want to make sure that they are taken care of and that they continue to have their rights? Are you willing to say something when something is wrong? Mm -hmm. Are you willing to learn when you are wrong? Because that's a big thing that I've noticed is an unwillingness to learn. But also, and this is where I'm going to hold our people to task a little bit, we need to be chill because sometimes queer folk ain't got no chill. And it's deserved and it's merited. And I understand all the reasons we have to be angry. But if someone is genuinely trying and the first thing we do is jump down someone's throat, they are never going to want to be better the next time. One thing I can say in regards to communication with people who are trans, if they correct you on their pronouns, just mm-hmm. say thank you. Yeah. Don't say I'm sorry or, oh my gosh, you know, I, I'm trying. Like, don't do that. Just say thank you, because that means that they trust you enough to tell you. And if you sit there and go, oh, I'm so sorry, and make it about you, then they're going to have to spend a lot of time backpedaling and saying, oh, well, you know, I understand. And and honestly, they're just being who they are. Right. And also, I would rather you ask than assume. Like, actually, I'll air something that happened. A, A friend of mine was trying to be nice and used they for me rather than the normal she because for those of you who don't know i use both male and female pronouns and nouns i usually default to female because i experience no dysphoria and i'm fine with it but every once in a while i will use a male modifier that's just how i am i'm fine with being gender fluid but my friend actually used they them for me and i actually called them on it it's like wait a minute i've never said you can you have to use they them you can use she that's fine and it's like oh i thought i was helping it's like you've actually actively misgendered me by trying to help (laughs) which i didn't think was possible of being gender fluid but no you've actively misgendered me by trying to do the right thing in that instance like it was fine like we all laughed about it but that's one of those instances where like trying to help actually made it worse if ever you're unsure just ask because as someone in this community and if you've listened to our pride primer there are a thousand words to describe the same five things in the LGBT community. And each one of those words means something different. 
and those subtle differences mean the world to that individual. So like the difference between non-binary, gender fluid, bi-gender, like all of those things are different and each one that someone chooses matters. Don't make assumptions. I think that's one of the biggest things that being in this community has taught me is even just like the small interactions of like not automatically gendering someone as like sir or ma'am, just thank you. Like if I'm at the grocery store and it's like, oh, thank you, you know, have a nice day. I won't insert a modifier there because I don't know that person. I don't know their life. And that might sound like weird and Orwellian, but it's just a weird thing of like, you don't know anyone. So don't assume anything. Well, something Amanda and I do too is mm -hmm. we'll just be like, how you doing friend? Yeah. We use a lot of gender neutral language. Um, Foolish mortal is also gender neutral. Yeah. A um, little insulting for some people, but if you're a Disney nerd, it works great. It works great. Um, yeah, like, and just ask. Like, I think that's the biggest thing. Like, just ask. And on our end as queer people, try to be chill. Now, if someone keeps making the same mistake, they're being an asshole and you can fight them. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, if I feel someone... like we need to have a disclaimer roll across the screen. <laughs> Unfortunately, required reading does not involve, or does not condone fighting people in public for fun. Like... <laughs> Uh, mm. one I, half of unfortunately required readings <laughs> one half of unfortunately required reading doesn't support the other half is fine with it completely <laughs> uh yeah like if, if that person is not trying to better themselves then yeah fuck them but like if they're trying and they're stumbling and they don't get it because we can be a mystery on top of a puzzle on top of an enigma and i say that lovingly uh we can be um just try to be chill because we're all navigating it. And here's like the scary part is that those things change. Like sometimes your pronouns and your representation and your presentation change and your orientation can change. And there's a lot of outdated methodology and thought that is still permeating in society. Like the idea to be bi that you have to be 50-50, that's not true for a lot of people. You can still be bi and be married to a man or a woman and still find the other attractive. It's okay. Um, but that's true allyship. Um, I think we bring this up with Rent is because you see Mark air quotes being an ally a lot uh, to a myriad of causes. I think most telling for me is the scene where he's recording that brief incidence of police brutality, which during our current zeitgeist of police brutality is uh, particularly exhausting because that to me is like the definition of basic white allyship is not letting black people speak for themselves, but thinking by just simply recording you're helping, you're not. And I like the fact that the woman he's recording takes the task. That was, oh my God, I love that. Like that's one of my favorite things in a movie. It's like, I'm not here for you to make a name off yourself. Like I, I absolutely love that. And that's true, like black people are not here to quell your guilt or for you to make money off of because suddenly you're woke and suddenly you want to tell a black story, white people listening. I or, love or, that she looks at him and she goes, do you have a dollar? Yes. Didn't think so. Like, right. Where, where Amanda becomes briefly anarchistic and uh, <laughs> I'm so tired. Why is the news bad? <laughs> the news is pretty regularly bad because we have a 24-hour news cycle so we have to make things look exciting all the time 
But there are so many people who keep getting murdered. Yes, there are. And unfortunately, our 24-hour news cycle pushes them under the rug the next day. Um, oh, did I, did I implode the website yet? No, not yet. Okay. I haven't even seen any comments. Anyway. So, uh, uh, side, side, story, side fact. Uh, in my continual apparent desire to destroy uh, Fangirl Nation's website... <laughs> I got to write an article about uh, police propaganda and the canceling of live PD, to which I think Tori and I both said a silent prayer RIP comment section. So far, it has gone mostly under the rug, which I soft appreciate. Um, I'm exhausted. Check in on your friends of color. All of us are very tired. For real. For real. We got to talk about some gay stuff. Um... So much of the queer stuff in here feels very performative, and the fact that, like, a lot of this stuff isn't thought through, I think, is why it feels so performative. Like, we don't know what Angel's deal is, and maybe it's okay. Maybe Angel is cis and just likes wearing women's clothes. That's fine, but we don't know, and that's concerning. Um, Homosexuality is not framed very well, nor is bisexuality framed very well. Um, I wonder how much of that is a product of the times when the musical was written and then emphasized by the really, really boring and bland directing of the movie. Um, just a lot of stuff isn't framed great. If this is your first time seeing some of these things, I apologize because these are terrible examples of everything um but we would be remiss not to mention there's a lot of gay stuff in here but all of it is bad <laughs> well it, collins is pretty okay yeah i think joanne like i said at the top of the episode is pretty much the only character that i'm like yeah i kind of don't hate you at all it like, is beautiful. She's gorgeous. She's smart. She's funny. She's well-educated. She's trying to make people better. Mm -hmm. She's willing to help. Mm -hmm. Even if that means working with her girlfriend's ex-boyfriend. Which shouldn't uh, be a thing. Which shouldn't be a thing. Um, she <clears throat> calls Maureen out on her shit. And unfortunately, Maureen is like, Oh, you're being controlling! A tiger in a cage can never see the sun. I'm like, you're not in a fucking cage. You're in New York. <laughs> Whose cage are you talking about? <laughs> no one is trying to put you in a cage, Maureen. We're just trying to tell you that maybe you shouldn't flirt with a girl at the cocktail station at your own engagement party. Anyway. Stop humping the ice statue, Mari. <laughs> okay, so I went ahead and Googled the Tom Collins cocktail. We could have consumed that, but the alcohol is gin. So we would not have been in theme. Gotcha. Okay. But we 100% can have an optional Tom Collins later. It's basically a French 75 with club soda instead of champagne. Oh. All right. What's next? You want to talk? Oh, the, the, the big, one of the big themes is, uh, is no day but today. Which is a song too. Yes. Um, it's essentially like the thesis of the production, which is a, it's basically a fancy way of saying YOLO. Yes. You laugh because I'm right. Yeah. Um, that is basically, hey, life is uncertain. We're all going to die. Might as well. 
And there's different interpretations of that. So um, Mimi takes that by saying, let's do a bunch of heroin <laughs> and be a stripper. Uh, Roger takes that as I'm going to be sad. For some reason, whenever I think of Roger, I just keep thinking of that joke from a, what we do in the shadows, like leave me to do my dark bidding on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> like whenever I think of Roger, I just think of that. I'm currently bidding on this table. Right. And um, so fun fact, one of my line reads that I did when I was in high school was of Roger. And it's like, if I was in this musical as Roger, this would be the shortest one ever because I would have completely ignored Mimi. It would have been throw the candle out window, get the fuck out of my house. Like, <laughs> like the musical's over. <laughs> Leave me to die. Throw candle out window, get the fuck out of my house. Um, but we see different interpretations of that, that life is uncertain, so we might as well live. Uh, I really hate this mission statement because it's basically an excuse to do things that are unsafe and risky. Um, a lot of people give Roger a lot of shit for being uh, sad and careful. I don't as someone who lives by sad and careful. <laughs> um, so I hate that everyone is basically shaming him into trying to be immature. Uh, and that frustrates me a lot and exhausts me. Um, yeah, don't YOLO your friends into risky behavior. Just yeah. don't. Like, it's stupid and petty. And Roger has every reason on earth to not want to be risky. Um, but it is a theme. It's important. There's multiple singings of this song. Um, there's a little bit of a similar theme in La Boheme, but again, it's with a condition that is capricious and random, and no one is advocating, like, no one in La Boheme is saying, go lick a bunch of things that will give you tuberculosis. Right. They're just saying life is uncertain, so you might as well live. That I can get behind, but no one is saying, like, let's do blow off of someone's dick. No one is saying that. Well, I said that. I feel like this is a sticker that we need now. No one is saying. No one is saying that dot dot dot. I said that. Uh, so do you want to talk about capitalism being bad, but also being kind of good? We did talk a little bit about this with Benny. Um, and the fact that he basically is trying to make sure that the uh, apartment doesn't go under and that they continue to have a place to live. And also even trying to create a cyberspace for them so that they can create. Mm -hmm. But, you know, no, man, we won't pay your rent. Um, <laughs> I'm an artist. Um, and, you know, yeah. some some of that is straight out of Blah Boheme and some of that is straight out of Jonathan Larson's life. But right. we'll get into that in a bit. We will. Um, uh, the only other side with that I have is that um, like with actual gentrification, it's still ignoring real poor people. Yes. So no one's talking about the actual poor tenement uh, settlement that's getting destroyed. Uh, that woman who is being accosted by the police still doesn't have her fucking dollar. Like no one's talking about the actual poor people that are being affected mm -hmm. by this. But let's talk about these whiny white folk. Yes. Amanda is angry. I'm sorry. I blame so her solely. Yeah, there's an entire settlement where Maureen is like trying to save it with her her. Her with her white heart. tears um and all these people are like living in these basically like tents in a area that's been like an empty lot right um and um, she comes in with her freaking like electronics and shit like that and causes a goddamn riot yeah i'm like 
<sighs> anyway, um, yeah, nobody in this musical is like, you know what? We need to find a way to help get them someplace safe, or we need to help them find a place to live, or we need to help these people with addiction, or we need it's, to help. It's it's like my life is hard because I'm an artist, and even though my right. mommy would bail me out, I can't do that because I'm an artist. In real Sorry. talk, I don't need any of them to be Superman. That's fine. You can be self-absorbed, but then don't frame it around a bunch of people that have real problems. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna do that, then let it be fucking like Cruel Intentions, where it's just rich people and rich people problems. I somehow managed to bring in Cruel Intentions because I think that's my favorite movie. What was it Mad TV who used to make fun of pretty white kids with problems? It was like their right. version of Dawson's Creek and Buffy and everything putting it together. Right, like if you're gonna do that, you can do that, that's fine. But then don't add in real people with real problems because now right. I'm aware that these white people have no problems. And while I'm on that tangent, can we just say that Collins gets entirely shafted? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I feel like Collins is I don't like the fact that he rewires an ATM because he could go to prison for a very long time. I get yes. where he's coming from. Ah! Oh tendency for me to move all over bisexual mm-hmm. sitting as we call it um it I is keep, bisexual sitting i keep knocking my headphones out anyway my headphones with the microphone and like five people were like yeah good i didn't want to hear her talk anymore um, who would who would fucking say that i, I will fight you person i don't know man i'm i'm a little vodka tipsy and i'm willing to fight people um, also i have goat cheese and i think that's how i know i'm old I like goat cheese now. So I'm sitting here laughing. So I have a really good friend, right? Mm-hmm. Who she can drink whiskey all day mm-hmm. long. No ill effects. Mm-hmm. She drinks vodka. She wants to fight somebody. I can drink vodka all day long. You give me a whiskey drink and I want to fight somebody. And I don't know if that's just because I'm Scottish or what. But I have a feeling now that you're one of my vodka fighter friends and now I have to keep vodka away from you at all times. <laughs> I also think it's just the times. I think the vodka is not helping, but I also think it's just the times. Like I'm, I keep saying I'm tired and I always say that I'm tired. I am more tired than I've ever been. Understandable. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of everything in the world right now. So I think I'd be pugnacious regardless. I think vodka makes it easier to be pugnacious. Yes. Um, fun fact, I ended up making a cocktail which was electric blue raspberry lemonade Kool-Aid and Bacardi Silver. And that was great. That because, of bad. course, I cope very well with trauma and pain. <laughs> um, so... We do have some notes on the musical. Uh, do we want to first go into maybe some differences between the musical and the movie? Yes. So as oh, the, oh, the musical and the movie, yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to let you lead okay. on this one. So the musical, I've already mentioned a couple places where it's different. Like you get the whole like song with like the mom's calling you checking in. Um. The musical also has, like, Benny actively getting drugs for Mimi. That's a thing. There's also this, like, omnipresent drug dealer that's, like, lurking in the shadows, like some kind of horrifying hobgoblin who always has drugs. Like, it's sort of, I guess it's, like, what Dare imagined the world is, that there's always some dude in a fucking hoodie who has, like, 
like a coat full of drugs and he's always there just waiting for you to slip up. Um, so it takes away a lot of Mimi's agency, uh, which is, it's hard to say agency with addiction, but at least by keeping that off screen, it's a choice. She's going and seeking it out. She's getting access to it. She's finding a way to access to it. But rather than having this uh, lurking phantom of heroin just hanging around, um, the musical does frame that April Rogers' ex-girlfriend died more recently. Um, so it's a little bit easier to understand why Roger is depressed. Um, and, and also in the in the musical, they sing a lot of the stuff that they change into lines in the movie. Yeah, because uh, you can't have that many songs. <laughs> uh maureen's performance is framed as it's always going to be bad but it's a little bit more sincere like she doesn't know it's bad um so it's easier to kind of write off rather than in the movie where it just looks like obnoxious white tears um the musical on a whole i feel like cares a lot less about the gay stuff and the aid stuff and cares more about we're poor artists so I think the musical in its own way could be more of a translation of La Boheme rather than the movie, which really puts an eye on the gay stuff and the AIDS stuff. Because as we mentioned, like Angel, uh, they call Angel a transvestite multiple times, which is not a word that anyone uses anymore. Yeah, I think that's that's faded out of parlance. Yeah, um... We don't use that word anymore. And again, like both productions are not concerned about answering any of those questions as to what and why. Um, there is some hinting that Angel may have contracted the disease through some means of sex work. Uh, so the musical on a whole, I think is just uninterested in figuring out these characters and more wants to show off the city there's also usually like a greek chorus of homeless people um which doesn't help at all and much like the movie when i saw the 20th anniversary everyone looks very old <laughs> which i know sounds like a petty argument but i think it really makes it so there's this thing called suspension of disbelief which i think we've explained right i think so Okay, so I'm not explaining it. I finally don't have to explain something. Um, it makes it harder to suspend your disbelief when it's like, you guys are all 40. Like, what are you, what are you doing here? Like, stop that. Um, so those are some differences. I'm sure I've missed some. I liked seeing the musical. It was an excellent Galentine's Day, seeing it at the Majestic and uh, seeing the cast and hearing the songs and like getting emotional because... Of course, I wanted to feel seen because I did, but uh, it's bad in its own way. I wrote a very long blog post about this because I have feelings. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the musical and Jonathan Larson. Yes. I do want to start off by saying he did not die of AIDS. Um, that is a urban legend. An urban legend that has cycled through the community theater world forever. Mm -hmm. And it is given rent a free pass a lot. Yes. It's not true. It is not Anyway, true. so he was born February 4th, 1960 in White Plains, New York to mm -hmm. two parents who were very involved in theater. 
He got very into music and theater at an early age, and he played mm -hmm. the trumpet, the tuba, and sang in the school choir, but he also took piano lessons. He was a huge fan of Stephen Sondheim, um, which is awesome because Sondheim is incredible. Um, yes. But he was also really into rock groups as well. So classic rock. Yeah. Uh, he went to Adelphi University and majored in acting, and he did a mm -hmm. ton of plays and started composing his own plays and music. Um, he started working at the Barn Theater, acting in it. Mm -hmm. um, he ended up moving into a loft in Lower Manhattan. There was no heat, and he ended up living with a bunch of different roommates, including the brother of Jennifer Beals, um, Greg. Greg actually worked for Newsweek at the time, um, so kind of saw that firsthand. Mm -hmm. Larson ended up working at the Moon Dance Diner, which may have been an inspiration for the Life Cafe. Mm -hmm. um, he played the first version of Tom Collins in the original production of Rent. So it's based off of La Boheme with a few changes, as we talked a little bit about. Mm -hmm. The night the play was supposed to do a preview for Off-Broadway, he ended up dying of an aortic dissection. So basically his aorta went... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is there a nicer way to put that, ma'am? I will try. Um, he's, it's believed that he had undiagnosed uh, Marfan syndrome. Uh, ah. He'd been having chest pains and problems breathing for a while, and he kept going to the doctors and saying, something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong. And they just told him, it's just stress. You know, you're doing a that fight, actually, it's just stress. That happened in an episode of ER, and, like, some dude just bled out in the worst way because they gave him Coumadin. Oh, shit. That's like and this dude just, like, turns into a blood bag, and it's horrific and sad. I'm sorry. I've... I have one episode of ER left that I refuse to watch because I feel like a piece of me will die with that series. Um, so after all of this, he ended up dying. And honestly, if it had been discovered in time and they'd been able to do a procedure, which is fix that, um, he would have lived. He ended mm -hmm. up dying January 25th, 1990, or 19, I think it's 96, not 66. Hi, Tori. <laughs> Um, he was 35. <laughs> um, Rent ended up winning a Pulitzer Prize and four Tonys posthumously. Um, mm -hmm. To honor Larson, his family created the Jonathan Larson's Grant, which benefit emerging theater writers and composers. So mm -hmm. a lot of up-and-coming composers have actually come through that. Mm -hmm. um, his friends created the Jonathan Larson Performing Arts Foundation to also provide grants. His musical is so popular that it's ended up in multiple cultural references. It became a huge part of the cultural zeitgeist. Mm -hmm. um, there's even a joke about it in Team America World Police, where one of the characters is in a group called Police, and one of the main songs is Everyone Has AIDS. Yeah. Um, there are references about it in Hedwig and the Angry Inch, the Hamilton mixtape. The Simpsons, Family Guy, Gilmore Girls, SNL, The Office did a whole song, um, Supernatural. The list is just huge. Basically, um, what is it? I'm trying to think of one. There was one other one too. Basically, if they reference a musical or something in a TV show, they're probably going to talk about Rent or Phantom. <laughs> Basically, what it comes uh, down to. Oh, Phantom. So we do have a couple listener, well, more than a couple. We have about three listener questions. I just realized something. Huh. Phantom is technically a book. Yes, it is a book. It's Gaston Moreau and it's amazing. It's one of my favorite books of all time. We're watching the Gerard Butler movie. No! <laughs> no. So the book is 
very, very different. Oh, I know. I've read the book. I've, I've seen both, which is why I can't. Well, mm, it's one of those weird instances of I saw the musical first and then I went back to the book. So, of course, the musical is always going to be like the thing that makes the most sense to me. Um, regardless, we do have some uh, listener questions. Uh, thank you to Baron Von Cheeseplate, who one keeps the lights on for us and actually asked us a, a few questions, starting with, does Rent suffer from time sensitivity? The answer is yes. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I think a lot of the mileage on this stuff has just decreased a lot, and I think it will continue to decrease. I will say, I do think that there's still value to Rent. Again, like for me being a queer kid in the 2000s, it still made me feel very seen. Now, as an adult, I can acknowledge that that, represent, that that representation isn't ideal. But for a lot of queer kids, this is still like how they feel seen. There are very, very few productions outside of like Rocky Horror and maybe Hedwig that are like this gay. Or technically cats. I love technically. Are like, we want the butthole edition. <laughs> anyway. I do kind of want the butthole edit. For those of you who are unaware, uh, with the digital fur technology that came with the new version of Cats, which digital fur technology is not something I ever wanted to say. I would just like you to know that. Um, apparently, there is an edit somewhere where all of the buttholes are still on the cat suits because those all had to get edited out. I would love to see, supposedly. If the butthole edit does exist, I would like to see it. I have seen it, as in cats. Um, it feels like, okay, Tori, maybe you'll agree with me. Is there something inherently gay about musical theater? Um, so what kind of ties into that is that usually the kids that get into musical theater are the ones that don't feel seen and are the ones who are considered odd by society and a little bit off. Not even going going that far. Just the over-drama, the acting. To me, there's just something that's always inherently been a little bit queer about musical theater, especially. Um, especially production like Cats. I don't really know how you can play that straight, both metaphorically and physically. The musical is about a bunch of cats who are all vying, so one of them can be taken away in a spaceship. So they can die the good death. Um, they can die the good death. Yeah, and- I, don't, I didn't mean to ruin cats for y'all, but there you go. <laughs> yes, all cats are jellical cats. I know too much about cats. Anyways, yeah, to me, there's something that's always been a little bit inherently queer about theater. Um, so because of that, when you try to take that away, I think it's bad, hence with cats. Wrapping up that point, I absolutely think that Rent suffers from some time sensitivity. Tori, you don't like it, so I'm going to let you talk about that as well. <laughs> okay. I, I, I kind of want to go into, does the music still hold up? Okay. The music... Yes. And pieces of it, because you got to understand mm-hmm. some of these musical theater songs will last forever. I've been singing freaking Lava Wem stuff in my kitchen for the past two days now. Um, mm-hmm. it, I can't sing it very well, so don't ask me to do it. Um, but I'm sitting there going, okay, that'll hold up. Because yeah. there is such a rock vibe to it, 
mm-hmm. rather than just kind of being like, look, we were throwing the whole baby out. Um, it's, it kind of gets that nostalgic classic rock to it. So I think that there are bits and pieces of it that still hold up and still hold up well. And then there are other songs that you're like, please don't ever sing this in public. Um, I think almost all of the music holds up for me, except for the last song that Roger sings, which is God Awful. Um, I still like Santa Fe a lot. I don't know why. I think it might just be, it's a very boring shot. That's something that Lindsay Ellis brings up is like everything is, everything is shot in a very boring way, um, which is true. Um, I'll cover you I'm not fond of. Basically any of the ones that are shot like the director has died. I don't like the director has died. Or like the CIA is watching you from the corner. Right. Like any any of the ones where it feels like the director has passed away in the middle of production and the camera is just still kind of in one place and is not panning. I don't like those. Um, I still love La Vie Boheme. I know it's bad. I know it's bad. And I know they destroy a restaurant to it. I still like it. Um, Seasons of Love. Mm, I don't think I've ever liked it, but damn it if I don't cry sometimes. It's been stuck in my head for five days and I'm mad at you for it, so. I also like the opening number of Rens. Like, I like it. Like, I think that there's some song. (laughs) I will take you to the mat. What are the lyrics? What are the lyrics? Rent, 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 rent. I don't like that part. (laughs) Ma'am. I like the opening number a lot. I think the music holds up. I I will say, I don't have any of those songs on shuffle on my uh, phone anymore because I think it makes me usually too sad. But I do have a lot of Sweeney Todd. So I'm going to admit something for everybody out there because I hate this musical so much. I watched the movie on YouTube at two times set by me and it was also pitched up so that it didn't get removed. You goblin. I have it on DVD. I know you do. <laughs> to be fair, I did try to find it a bunch of different places first for my streaming services, and then I was like, oh, it's not available. Oh, well, I'm no. not paying for this. T- Tori not trying at all. How, how do I torrent the fuck out of it? Oh, um, I did not torrent it. I did not torrent it. I will not go to jail. There is one musical that I do want to find, and that is a Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson. I've never even heard of that. So, okay, imagine Hamilton and the Green Day musical combined, but about Andrew Jackson. And Andrew Jackson is wearing skinny jeans and is a golf pump. (laughs) Uh, Wow, no thank you? Yes, thank you. If anyone has a copy of Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson, please send that to me. So, I do like the or Campbell the musical. Yes. The sky is blue and all the trees are green. My heart is bursting like a big potato. <laughs> I mean, I think we anyway, also both like Dr. Horrible, don't we? Oh, yeah. but uh, So we don't have we, good taste. We do the weird stuff. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't have good taste, obviously. Uh, so I actually had to shop this question a little bit, but the, the crux of the question is, is Mark the worst character ever? Which, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I think he's worse in the movie somehow. I don't know. Um, 
but yeah like he's just the worst because he seems to have just inserted himself to all these narratives like you don't belong here and his allyship is so fake and so disingenuous and he's not helping anyone really all of his problems are imagined um and him choosing victimhood is just exhausting like i I grow weary of white tears in any scenario, and his are especially tiresome to me. Um, though I will say, I think the only good thing he does is that he doesn't let anyone slut shame Maureen. He does get defensive and protective of Maureen because everyone else tries to slut shame her. And he's like, no, 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 that's just how she is. That's the literal only good thing he does is he protects his ex girlfriend from being slut shamed by his dickhead friends. All right. So we've yes. got a lot of resources, and as always, these will be on the website. They are. Um, I used a lot of Wikipedia for Jonathan. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> like, I'm also, like you know him personally? Like he's disappointed in you? He might be. He's like Probably. sitting on a cloud going, you bitch. Anyway, um, there's actually a really good YouTube video of um, 13 different references of Brandon pop culture, which I'll include. Um, we'll include... The Team America World Police one because I want to. No, we to. won't. I'm going to. Okay. Um, I run the website. What do you want? Um, we'll put I have editor access. That's true. I'll make sure to put the Lindsay Ellis um, video up. Yes. Which is look pretty and do as little as possible. Um, and then if I can find it, I have a friend who wrote a take on rent from Muffy's perspective. Yeah, um, I also did include uh, that book about uh, marketing gay America and theater uh, because I think that's a good one. That's a great resource. Um, we'll also probably dig up some other resources about the AIDS crisis because uh, I think that's something that we both can speak to, but we're both too tired. So if there's anything that we can find, yeah. <laughs> like I'm, I'm realizing I'm having one of those issues where things that I can usually speak to, I can't because i'm too exhausted it's like now explain why trans people need rights like because they do because they're human and they need right. rights. and you know uh, uh, for for some reason that's not enough for some people i don't know why but apparently for some people uh that's not a satisfying answer so i have not been able to be uh the debater i'm used to so we'll also include some helpful resources on uh, the AIDS crisis, which let's just leave it at, it was fucking bad. Okay? It was bad. So, we're almost to July. We Man, are. It's Amanda's birthday month. It is. So you want to tell them what our next book is? We're going to do uh, Hound of the Baskervilles by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, in which we get to complain about that one episode of Sherlock, where Sherlock straight up poisons his boyfriend? boyfriend they're married and you can't tell me otherwise that horrible dracula show was just moffat's eventual admission that he just wants everything gay all right so we are all over social media we are we're at unfortunately required reading on facebook uh -huh. unfortunately rr on twitter unfortunately required on instagram mm -hmm. unfortunately required reading.com which just says everything and if you're like me you're just like, screw it. I'm going to the website. Yes. Uh, we would like to thank our 
patrons and supporters who help keep the lights on for this podcast uh to chris and to jason if you would like to join them please visit our uh anchor page where you can help us buy more cheeses and that's anchor.fm slash unfortunately required reading yes um if you'd like to suggest a book for the podcast i have a funny story about your english class which no one is having yes of, or literature in general, you can email us at unfortunatelyrequiredreading at gmail.com. Before we close out, I do want to tell y'all a really funny story. When this yes. movie first came out, I was working at Barnes Noble. <laughs> the soundtrack came out, and I was sitting, not sitting, we never sat. I was like, you standing sit. at the front da- counter doing work, and I hear, light my candle, and I'm going, She's singing about BDSM. And I went to my store manager and I said, listen, I'm all pro us like promoting a CD or whatever. Mm-hmm. We are going to get complaints from parents about this, sh- about rent because mm-hmm. of the content. And I got it. It's okay, sweetie. Don't worry. This was picked by corporate. It's going to be fine. The mm-hmm. very next day, an email comes in from corporate telling us to cease playing rents immediately because there have been complaints from various stores. Done. Anyway. Uh, I, I mean, I feel like there's other more questionable songs. Cause I feel like at least like light my candle is more of just like a blatant sex euphemism. Oh, we played the entire CD. Okay. Yeah. Like I feel like there's way more questionable songs on that, uh, on that track than anything else. But I digress. Our standard music protocol was basically Clannon's greatest hits. So I used my first job was at a hot topic, and we played a lot of Marilyn Manson and Mindless Self Indulgence and Scared Away Parents. <laughs> my mom used to be like, Can I just get you a gift certificate? You just go yourself. Like, okay. That was my favorite. The, the, the list mom of like, My child likes these things. <laughs> my mom, uh, one Christmas, bought me a bunch of stuff, and she goes, Listen. I want you to appreciate the fact that I went into Hot Topic, picked the stuff out myself for you, and listened to that music the entire time. So I want you to appreciate the effort. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. Thank you, (laughs) ma'am. Yes. Effort appreciated. Uh, Guys, these these are tough times for everyone. Just stay kind. Stay safe. Stay the fuck inside. And uh, go read a book.